When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. The Late Show Poncho with Stephen Colbert. Hey, everybody. Thanks, man. Thanks oh, so much God. for doing it. Thank you. How nice. How nice. Wow. Thank you for doing this, Brett. Oh, my God. Thank you for having me do it. All this right. Is... Yeah. <laughs> I will. For inviting me. Yeah. Inviting me to do this. Yes. Yeah. Oh. Um, how are you? I'm good. I just did a show, and I felt good about it. Yeah. On the nights that you feel good about the show, the next 24 hours are fantastic. Yeah. If you don't feel great about the show, it better not be on a Thursday. Right. Because, because I have to wait till Monday till I feel good again. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But that never happens. When you do a show that you're not happy with on Thursday, what is the average percentage of you being happy with the show on Monday, with the mon- Monday saving you? Almost always, because I'm going to put everything into put everything into every show all the time. <laughs> but you know, there's a special like focus. You tighten the you tighten the screws down on yourself on Monday. Yeah, there's a lot of percolation, a lot of brewing. I imagine. Sure, I pay a little more attention to the news over the weekend. Yeah, yeah, yeah. a lot of yeah. brewing, a lot of stewing. Yeah, great. No, perfect for comedy. And you mean anxiety? Yeah. <laughs> and, yeah. And accusations of no talent that yeah. you put on yourself as you stare in the mirror at four o'clock in the morning? Absolutely. Like Self-adulation. That, you know, comedy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, exactly. Yes. That's what it's uh, uh, partially about, at least. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, no. So here we are in, uh, in the Ed Sullivan Theater. Beautiful live. Yeah. And yesterday marked the one-year anniversary of being back in here. Yeah. You know, since you returned to the stage after you were doing the show from home at first, and then uh, a smaller, still much more intimate studio without an audience. I mean, how does it eighth feel to be- Eighth floor right here, just a storage room on the eighth floor. Amazing. And then on the first day of this season, actually, which for us was, what was yesterday, the 15th? What's today? 14th, it was the 14th I'm not last good with year. <laughs> yeah. 14th, um, it was great to be back. We did 15 months without any audience, and that's such a weird feeling. Because one of the reasons I took this job is to be in front of a live audience. Yeah. You know, I don't, I don't really like, to like single camera at all. Right. You know, I like knowing whether it's working. Mm-hmm. Because the thing I like about comedy is that if it works, the audience makes this noise with their mouth. Mm-hmm. And if they don't make the noise, you, you know that you have to work harder. It didn't work, yeah. Yeah, whereas if you do the show without an audience, you're used to that, it felt to me like reading sheet music in an empty room. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, because the, in some ways, this is the other partner in the scene. That's, that's the, sort of the instrument that you're playing, is you want to hear that sound and get that energy. So I was incredibly grateful to be back in front of them. Yeah, it's amazing. Yeah, I mean, I imagine that the absence of socialization, coupling that with the absence of this being a social thing as well, mm-hmm. you know, in, in, in your work, it had to be just so traumatizing. So being back in that... Trauma's a little strong. Yeah. But it, it was, it sucked. Sorry, I'm How about a Jew. That? It I'm sucked. a Jew. 
I make everything about trauma. <laughs> yeah, everything's traumatic to me. No. I'll but. tell you one thing that was nice about it though <laughs> was that we did the show over, you know, doing the show over the COVID and doing the Zoom interviews. Those Zoom interviews were actually way more casual than any interviews I'd ever done before, at least yeah. as a, as a host. Because you go into interviews with, a, with often you go in with a lot of intention, and sometimes you can go in with too much intention. You can kind of drive over your guest if you're not careful. But I tried to make a bug into a feature when we were doing the show over COVID, so I wouldn't, I wouldn't even let the guest know when it began. I would literally, they would come on the Zoom screen, and I would go, hey, man, what's going on? Where are you right now? And he was like, oh, I'm in London. I'm doing a thing. What are you working on? Was that, so how long is that? When did you finish this project? And we would talk for 10 minutes, and I would say, thank you for being here. <laughs> and they'd go, wait, what? I never got into performance mode. And I'm like, I know, this was a great conversation. And that's yeah. the one thing that we took from it. Like, I think my interviews, if you look at them now for this past year and then previous years, I think they changed. Oh, yeah. oh, over COVID, they're much more like just having a conversation. Not that I don't have like you know a plan in case you know <laughs> goes south, right? But because you have to, like your job is to keep the ball in the air because you're you're used to talking in front of an audience like this, and the guest isn't always used to it. But I I love the second half of the show. The interviews are so much more of a joy for me right now. We don't do commercial breaks anymore either. Right. That's another thing we learned over COVID is because we didn't ever do commercial breaks over the Zoom interviews. We would just drop them in later. And then we realized nobody noticed that now I just talk. Like I did Emma Thompson tonight. We talked for like 17 minutes with no commercial break. And then I just dropped a break in later. And it's so much nicer. Yeah, I mean, I even felt when I was on the show, and that this was pre-pandemic, that mm. there was a real freedom to it already. So I feel like the, the intimacy of that one-on-one mm -hmm. -on -one conversation like that must have just made that evolve into something even. Sure, even well, you more. and I have history. Which we is do. Nice. Yeah, we, we have, do have, we have history. deep history, a deeper history yeah. than I thought. You want to know our history? Yeah. Well, uh, the, the history that I, can I say the history that I thought we had, and you can tell the, the, the better history. Oh, yeah. What is the history? The history that I thought we had was that besides loving your work on Strangers Things and, 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 and Fleabag, the only perfect television show ever made, um, <laughs> Thank you. Uh, is that you were on episode six of the Colbert Report. Yes. We had an idea, literally, it was week two, show two. We had this idea on the show that since I was the last thing on Comedy Central at night, because I went off at, at midnight, that, that, that we imagined there was a morning news show on Comedy Central that we called Yet Another Day. And, and we always had the same female, we did only did it three times, we had the same female host, very pretty, blonde, perky woman who kind of was living through the anxiety of having gotten a degree at Columbia Journalism and now was doing this with her life. Right. And then a different, a, a changing series of hosts, and you were the first host. Yeah. Do you remember the story that you were covering? I don't remember I the story I tossed you, I said, I before covering. we go, let's check in with our, you know, with Brandy and Tad tomorrow morning on yet another <laughs> yeah. day, you know, our, our colleagues on the morning show, and you said, do you ever wonder if you should be petting your cat? <laughs> We're right. alert to you to some of the dangers. <laughs> All of that and two other things. <laughs> Tomorrow right. on Yet Another Day. And your defeated nature in saying Yet Another Day was why we cast you. We're like, he really seems hollow inside. <laughs> oh. But then and I just I found so out we have a way better history than that. Yeah, Tell no. Tell the folks, but... I literally just found out backstage. Well, when I was a kid, uh, I went to Second City for my birth. I grew up in the suburbs of Chicago. And what bit kid, what it means what? 
Um, I was like, I probably like 12, I'd say. So maybe 13. You just made me feel much older, by the huh? way, but go ahead. I mean, I was a very old, very old 12. And <laughs> you, you had were, the beard and everything. No, you were 18. You were 18. Sure, okay, yeah, so I'm yeah, on yeah. stage, yeah, at Second City. You just to become legal. And I, um, they do this thing at Second City that when they know that it's your birthday, an actor will come out and say that, you know, their character's name will be your name. And he came out and he said, hello, I'm Brett Gelman. <laughs> and it blew my mind, you know. And it just and then, blew my mind. I just found this out. Yeah. That's how we met. Yeah, and then I started seeing you on Strangers with Candy and then, of course, sure. The Daily Show, Colbert Report. Yeah, yeah. And I was like, oh, there, there's there the I maestro. Am. Yeah, there he is. There he is. So I've always felt that connection wow. with you since that day. Yeah, and then that was a show you were understudying, too. Yeah, I found out 45 minutes before the show went on that I was going in. One of the actors didn't show up, and I didn't know the lines. I said, I don't know the lines. They said, well, you have 45 minutes to learn them. <laughs> and then we fulfilled. Yeah, now yeah. That's, a, that's a big thing about pivoting. I mean, you've had to... That's, Years of you've improv had a history really helps with a show like this. Yeah. Years of improv helps I, with this. You've, you know, you've... How many episodes have, have you pivoted to doing live? Like... Uh, we, we, well, the old show, altogether, we did... 1,447, and today we've done, here we've done like 1,275 or something like mm -hmm. that. So whatever that is, like 2,800, something like 2,800 uh, shows. And we've done, I don't know how many we've done live? 50, 60, something like that? How many have we done live, do you know? 45 live 45 shows. 45 live shows. Live shows, That's yeah. amazing Which are great. for late night. We just did one this past week for uh, the, the hearings. Yeah. And I was like, eh, do we want to do it? Because we didn't know if CBS was going to run it. Right. We didn't know if CBS was going to carry it. And if they're not carrying it, I'm like, I need an audience watching CBS that knows what the hell I'm talking about. Yeah. And I'm so glad they did, because they're so fun. And, well, how long? <laughs> no, they are. A live show is like so, I mean, it's great to have an audience, but an audience for a live show is completely lit. Yeah. And you can't <laughs> up. Yeah. Oh, and you have an audience of millions, which is wild, you know? And, uh... So how does that, like, how did that pivot, for instance, come to be, where you decided to... To do live? To do live for because that. Because our self-imposed mandate uh, at the show is to talk about... It's pretty simple. It's to talk about what people are talking about. I mean, as long as that is not something sort of forbiddenly tragic, which is sort of sacred, and you don't want to get into that space. Right, right. But, um, and... On a night when there's a huge event that the network is carrying, you know, if, if a network is carrying, a, a broadcast network is carrying it live, it's usually some a big hunk of, you know, irradiated plutonium in the middle of the national conversation. So it's a convention or it's a debate or, if it, or it's a State of the Union, but there hadn't been anything like this since I was a kid. Yeah. And so we said, oh, well, if the network carries, we'll do it. Because what, because what would happen if I hadn't gone live? The entire conversation that night on all of the different channels would be about something that I was not talking about at all, or rather, I would be guessing about and say like, "Hey, we didn't see this. You did." And I don't want to be—I want to have the same experience the audience did. And if the audience is experiencing, you know, their enjoyment or interest or anxiety, mostly it being mm -hmm. modern America, their anxiety mm -hmm. about what the conversation is, I want to—I want to dip my ladle in that same puddle of radioactive anxiety. Yeah. Which and is kind of the job, which is I feel like I need to be dipped. Every day they dip me into the radioactive pool of our national anxiety. Yeah. And then I get pulled out and then set in front of a camera 
where I irradiated back at the audience at non-lethal rad levels. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. That's it, yeah. Which, but I, I'm fine. I, no, I know you are. I know sure. you are, yeah. Uh, and I'm an excellent judge of that. But I, <laughs> so how does that, the filtering of that anxiety, you know, and the dealing with not only your anxiety with being in these times, as well as dealing with the audience's anxiety, pushing what they can deal with, you know, and opening something up in a new way to them, as you know, it, while at the same time doing something that you feel they're ready to open up to. How does that? The like, ready come part's into interesting. The, yeah. the ready part's interesting. I have found that. I never want to break a story to the audience. Because A, I don't have no illusions of, that I do news, you know? Some right. people say they get their news from late night shows, and I think that's a bad idea. Because yeah. we don't actually <laughs> say that much, and we don't provide proper context, really. We're there to do the jokes. But um, I always gotta make sure the audience actually knows what's going on. Sometimes if, if some things will happen before I come out here, like someone prominent gets arrested or, or some event, I'll come out and I'll tell the audience what happened so that um, when I actually do jokes about it, they, are, they aren't reacting to a sh the shock of the news, but you know, my process, my processing the, the news as they're processing that, that same event that they just learned. And the entire exercise for me, well, I want them to, I want the audience to get sort of that catharsis of somebody else making jokes about this thing that makes them anxious, which is, again, a lot of what the national conversation is about our anxiety yeah. uh, for years now. Um, it also works for me. It's a selfish endeavor. I feel good about it. I yeah. feel better about it because I've made a connection with people in the audience that night, and I feel less lonely. You know, because a, a, a lot of the forces in America today, and I suppose in the world, forces in America today work to silo us into sellable chunks of the population mm -hmm. or frightenable punk chunk chunks of the population in order to squeeze money out of us. You know, the, the politico-industrial complex, if uh, those of you get campaign emails, I assume? Yes, exactly. They all start with like, the headlines are like, spiders in your hair, or <laughs> tiger attack, and the Democrats are doing it. And that's all to frighten you. And that, because there's a, there's, there's the commerce in that fear that's being generated. And we try to be like that anti, we're a, we're a commercial enterprise, it's show business and money's green. Yeah. But we're, we're, our job is to be like anti-anxiety commerce. So, yeah. did I answer your question? Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Okay. I mean, it was Good. a very, very wide question that I asked. So yeah, yeah. no, I mean, alleviating that anxiety has got to feel good and is such an important thing right now, in comedy especially. Yeah, just, just telling jokes, just literally like hearing laughs is, yeah. you know, the, the thing I can't stand, the, one of the hardest parts of this job is that because there's so much, and I'm sure you were going to a great question, but I just want to jump no, in No, no, I wasn't, I wasn't. Is that yeah. it just occurred to me that one of the things I realized when I, you know, doing the Colbert Report was a lot of fun. It was kind of like doing a college newspaper. Yeah. You know, it was a little organization and a little network. And while, you know, we made a splash here and there, it felt like a, it felt like a fun, small, like, let's put on a show, my dad's got a barn. This is, a, you feel like you're on a network. You feel like in the Ed Sullivan Theater. And it's not like you feel the pressure of the space or the location or the, the, the broadcast venue, but it's a big show. There's a lot. We do twice as much, more than twice as much material here than we ever did before. Um, three times as many guests. 
uh, three times as big an audience, three times as big an audience, you know, at home, and just sort of like the 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 sense that you're on the Tiffany, you know, you're on the Columbia Broadcast System still, even now in these days of broadcast, you, you have a sense of that, and um, that requires you to take your hand off the wheel a little bit, which. I was a control freak at the Colbert Report. And then one of the things I had to learn here was you can't actually do that at this scale. You can't actually determine what table is going to be between the two of us that our coffee cups <laughs> are on. But I 100% yeah. would have done that at the old show. Uh -huh. And I'm sure I was delightful to work with. <laughs> but one of the problems with hanging up the reins or like letting, giving the reins away and go like, okay, I've got a lot of job to do here but I actually have to trust in my team in, in much, I always trust them, but actually just let them do it and know that they're gonna deliver, read my mind and deliver things to me that I can then make my own in some ways, is that the laughter from a distant room, is that you often hear laughter going on in a room and I wanna be in there and writing on everything. Yeah. And, and you can't actually. You right. actually, what it requires is much earlier in the day, much earlier in the process of the week or as a story, that we know we're gonna be talking about comes about to express your feelings about it or what about it interests you so that other people can without, with the right guideposts, write on, on what interests you about it. And that's a real challenge because yeah. you wanna be in the room where all the laughter is. And right. I am there as much as I can, but it's just too big of a gig. Right, but then is there somewhat of a freedom then of when you come out here mm -hmm. and it's just like, well, now it's my time to put my spin on that in a way that it wasn't thought about in that room necessarily. And, yeah, well, and that's kind of, that's kind of the job. In the moment. Kind of yeah. the job. I mean, I still, you know, knock wood, I still write on the show. Um, I knock wood because I love it when I get jokes in my own show. Yeah, yeah. Do you know what I mean? Like, oh wow, I got one in. <laughs> you know, because I admire the writing room so much that I really like, I want to be, that's what I wanted to be. Do you know what I yeah. mean? Mm -hmm. This kind of gig is kind of a happy accident. I really wanted to be one of those guys and girls in the writer's room. Yeah. Because that's a happy, anxious, but Hank, that's a, that's a really rarefied space to be in. And your job to do this, at least as I see it, and this used to be my Twitter handle, uh, like my bio, mm -hmm. now it says Evie's husband, but my Twitter handle um, used to say vehicle. Because it's a difficult thing, it's a real challenge to like still make it from you, but also be a vehicle uh, that that carries the show to the audience that you didn't have the opportunity to create all of. Mm -hmm. And that's a delicate thing, to have ownership, and part of the job as the vehicle is to actually let everything about the show go and embody the material and try to make it better than it is on the written page. You know, and you are an actor, so you know that. Yeah. But that's something that in some ways I had to rediscover in this job, is that, yeah, I'm myself, but there is still that actor's or performer's responsibility that it's not a confession, it's a performance, and you have to find a way to make discoveries in the moment and to make the material your own, and you can feel it, and the audience can feel it when it really happens. Yeah. It's a subtle thing, and maybe they wouldn't be able to identify it when, but the energy in the room is totally different when you, when you can, when you allow yourself to just let, just let yourself go and give in to the performance. Yeah, that's one of the things... Uh... One of the many things I admire the most about you as a performer is, yeah, you, 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 you bring together the comedian, the writer, and the actor in what you do. And, and so much of like that, acting, that acting compartment of you is, is releasing into the moment you know, of over these huge things <laughs> that are going on <laughs> in our world. Uh -huh. and, uh, and sort of 
yeah, there's like you 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 decrease them uh, in order to make it easier for us to swallow in a lot of ways. Sure. And uh, so and um, now. Let's just say, what, what moments from the, from the past year have you been the most proud of? Hmm. Uh, not great with the word proud. Um, that you, I, I often don't know what it means, the word proud. But enjoyed. That you enjoyed. That enjoyed. enjoyed yeah. um, I, I, I really like whenever I discover something about a guest that I didn't know I was going to enjoy. I mean... The material in some ways can be nerve-wracking because if I don't let myself give, give in to the material and really make discoveries, then I feel like um, I'm doing finger exercises on a piano, you know? Mm-hmm. And that's a very hard thing to break out of because then you get very nervous and very tight in, the, in reading the prompter. Yeah. Um, <laughs> uh, I love... I love there have been cold opens that we've done this year, which is a, a really difficult thing that we do every day. There's a minute to 90 second joke to start the show that has to be as tight as a blackout and has to be produced on a daily basis, usually about something that's happening that day. Often it's a musical number or something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, now you're trying to remember, I'm trying to remember things that I did on the show well, this year. The, re- the reason being is that I often remember the guests more than I remember the material. Right. Because why is that? Because the guest is pure discovery. Because the guest I really had an experience with. Mm-hmm. Whereas the material, I'm a vehicle that it goes through, and I kind of like I have I I, I give it to the audience, but then I have to purge it. I kind of yeah. have to purge that joke and move on to the next one. <laughs> and to compare myself to an Apollo astronaut, I <laughs> I had a conversation once with Alan Bean, who was one of the the first Apollo astronauts who went on the moon, mm-hmm. and I said to him, "What's it like to go to the moon?" And he said, "Well, he's from Texas, and he goes, well, Stephen." I wish I could tell you. I don't know what it's like to go to the moon. I said, what do you mean? You walked on the moon. You were a Mercury astronaut and an Apollo astronaut. And he goes, well, here's the thing. They didn't want us to know what it's like to go to the moon. They wanted to keep us calm, and they would cut up the missions into little bitty bites so we wouldn't choke on them. So emotionally, he goes, so every 15 minutes, I had a new job to do. And then I would do that job, and then I would flush all the feelings about having gotten that job done, and then I would do the next job. And I went to the moon 15 minutes at a time for three days. And then I walked on the moon 15 minutes at a time, and then I went home 15 (laughs) minutes at a time, and had all those emotional experiences I had, I flushed them, and I did the next one. So I wish I could tell you what it was like to go to the moon. And he goes, looks pretty fun. And so, now here I'm going to uh, 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 compare myself to an astronaut. There's so much work to do here. This is such a crazy flaming toboggan ride on a daily basis that you just hope you're not going to hit one of the trees as you go down the hill that we... I, I do it, I love it, but it's very hard for me to tell you what the jokes were last night. Yeah. yeah. So what my favorite things were this year? Um, arm wrestling with Josh Brolin. Uh-huh. Doing yeah. the Colbert questionnaire, interviewing John Baptiste for the Colbert questionnaire mm-hmm. was an enorm- was enormous fun for me. Anytime where the show surprises me when I don't know what's going to happen is my favorite thing yeah. in the year. And I, I say coming back the first night a year ago last night and introducing the audience to Evie 
that night, who I was so grateful to have been my only audience for 15 months, was um, one of my happiest. The first night of the season was maybe my happiest, proudest to share the stage with her, I think, given everything she had done for me for the past 15 months, which people won't ever know, but her, her patience and her fortitude and her generosity like, she would be out there, literally the only person across from me in the room, in her little red chair across from me in that tiny storage room up there. She'd be going, as she said, like a parent seeing their kindergarten in the Christmas play going, you're doing great. <laughs> That's beautiful. That's beautiful. If you can name anything I did this year, I can tell you whether I was proud of it. Okay. Well, we've been talking about music. We've been talking about moments. I mean, The Lord of the Rings... Uh, oh my number. God, that was fantastic! Yeah. I found out that I—I uh, I was talking with Don Monahan and uh, Billy Boyd, who are Marion Pippin, uh-huh. and they came in. They came in here to do the show, and they said, "Hey, we're going to go celebrate down in um, New Zealand. Do you want to? Would you take the show to Wellington for the 20th anniversary and do a week of shows down there?" And we'll, at the end of it, we'll have a big, we're going to show it, we're going to project it outside. The Wellington Symphony is going to perform. Like, cast members are coming back for the 20th anniversary. Would you host it? And I said, in. And I cannot guarantee that's going to happen, but 100% <laughs> I'm in because I speak yeah. for a lot of people when I say that. And then it couldn't come about because COVID just wouldn't let go because we talked in the summer. And then as the anniversary came about, I, I, I called those guys back and said, so what is happening for the 20th anniversary? And they said, nothing. I said, there's no, nothing marking the most Oscar-lauded yeah. movie of all time? No one is going to be celebrating this? And they said no, and I said, that. And so I said to my guy, I said, Look, we got to write it, we got to write a, we got to celebrate, we got to write a song. And to, at pretty much everybody in the camp, maybe not Sean Bean, I forgot who didn't do it. I guess Ian wasn't available. He was doing King Lear or something right. like that. But pretty much everybody else in the cast. It was that yeah. was a tremendous joy. Plus John and then sure, Method plus, Man and Killer Mike yeah, too, yeah, why not? which is amazing. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it was great. That line Method Man has in that about Ian McKellen not being available. Yes, and that's yeah, it. Yeah. exactly. Yeah, yeah, that's no sensational. I mean, what about? I mean. Yeah, like the day of the insurrection. I mean, just going live on that day, you know. Um, Talk about that. Like, what are the what were the feelings? That, you know, we were. That, um, that's got to be conflict conflicting because it's such an amazing thing to do, but the, at the same time, it's not something to be enjoyed given what's going on. Oh no! <laughs> oh no! That's pride in your work, I suppose. That's pride in your yeah. staff. Mm-hmm. Really proud of, like, not, I have trouble saying, like, I'm proud of what I did, but I'm really proud of what my staff did. That's an easy thing to say. We were watching it at home, and we, you know, we wrote from, we, <clears throat> we write a lot of the show from home, and then I come in here, even now with a live audience, I come in here later in the day to get made up, and we do everything over Zoom in the morning. And so we were doing the read down around one o'clock of the material, and I had the TV on in the background, and we were, 10 minutes into the read down, and the material is pretty good. We were talking about like that Raphael Warnock and Ossoff had just won in Georgia. That had been, you know, that had been certified the night before. That was a big deal. Now it was going to be a 50 50 one with Kamala Harris. The, the Democrats have control of the Senate. And we had jokes on that change of control and, and certifications, and that there were like some like, uh, you know, protests going on and stuff happening on the ellipse with the former president. But, uh, and the material was pretty good. 
And we looked, I looked up and I said, has anyone else, is, can we stop for a second? Is anyone watching this? Because it's like 1.15 and people are starting to breach the barricades and going up the steps. And so we stopped for a moment. And as Tom Purcell, my creative exec, would say, he goes, like, they really didn't want to throw out the entire script. Because this takes a lot of mental preventer to create a script here. <laughs> yes. And I'm like, I don't think we have a show. Isn't this the show? <laughs> and, and Tom, God bless him, he goes, let's stop everything, get in a car, come in, and we'll have a plan. We'll have some idea of what we're doing by the time you get here. Because it takes about 45 minutes for me to get in here from the, my secret mountain lair. And I zip line in across the Hudson. <laughs> and, and when I got here, we're like, we don't really have a plan because look at that because <laughs> we, don't, we don't know what to do. We're just all heartbroken. And yeah. so uh, uh, my then exec, Chris Lick, said, do you think we should be live? And I said, I don't have the ability to make that decision, but I do. And what I do need to do right now is go to the bathroom. <laughs> and I said, when I come out of the bathroom, I'd love to know if we're going live. <laughs> yeah. So I went to the bathroom did my business, came out, and Chris goes, we're going live. And I said, that sounds like a great decision. <laughs> but then we found out that we, every sponsor pulled out, that we had no sponsors because no one wanted to sell Breathe Right strips or boner pills or whatever, whoever advertises <laughs> yeah. on us or Mazdas with, with mayhem, with carnage, Amer literally American carnage yeah. going on. So we said, to hell with it. We'll just do the show anyway with no commercial breaks. We'll just keep the camera pointed at me for an hour and then see, you know, see what happens and see who we could get to talk to us. And at that point, we didn't have Klobuchar. We didn't have, what was it, a Kinzinger. Those are the two people we eventually had for it from their Senate offices and, and, and House offices there. And while the, before the vote had happened, the certification hadn't happened yet. And, um, you know, we wrote long and we wrote super angry, and that's not the job. The job is to have those feelings and then to turn that into comedy because anybody can be angry. And it's your job to transmute that into something that is, I wouldn't say palatable, but something that is recognizably a form of entertainment. Why are we doing this? I can just yeah. go home and scream. And so, I don't know, we did our best. And, yeah, I mean, and showing and the guy on the Viking. <laughs> like, Mel sure. Gibson's career has really, really gone downhill. downhill exactly. Freedom! And yes. Oh, wait I a second, like, do you mean... Did you mean the January 6th hearing? I was talking about the actual January 6th. Oh, no, the, that was the hearing. That was the hearing. Oh, well, you I meant got the hearing. Up. No, no, I meant, the... I meant January 6th. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right. I absolutely meant January 6th. I just January wanted 6th. to make sure I had I just, just got the jokes a, mixed told up. Told a really good story for no reason. No, that would have been... <laughs> that would have been terrible if yes. I did that to you. Yeah. No, then, then I don't know when yeah. I would have gone over that. I mean, I wouldn't, right. have, had a, I wouldn't have had my Monday to <laughs> come back to, to right. be like, yeah. okay, now I can... Interview Stephen again and mm -hmm. uh, and, I'll do and this make again up on for Monday. that. If you're available, Should we do it again on Monday? Monday? I don't yeah. think it was that bad of a gaffe, though. I just got a little mix-up. That's fine. Not, right? a not a gaffe at all. I, I mean, I'm a I busy guy. A I'm a busy guy. I can get the like fact some that things you're here mixed at all up. Is such a mensch to be well, I mean, here at all. I mean, I would. I don't care. I would drop everything to do this. That's not a comment on that. Did it's you drop anything? My did mind. you drop anything to be here? I did reorganize my and my girlfriend's vacation to Jamaica. Yes, in order to be here. No. Way. Do that, of course. But, but I mean, that's not like a, that, it's an honor to be here. I'm do you, not like. What do you mean by reorganize? You postponed it? We we no, we didn't really postpone it. No, we just redirected the travel, which you know. But I would have. So you were supposed to go straight it. to Montego Bay from Los Angeles, but instead came here first, and we're going tomorrow. Where are you staying? Huh? Where are you here? staying? No, in, in Jamaica. Rock House. 
Where is that? Where's Rockfest? It's in Negril, I think. I hear yeah, that's lovely. Fly into, yeah, me too. I haven't yeah. been there since I was a kid. But mm -hmm. I, mean, I would have canceled the trip to do this. I really would have. Really? I yes. I, Are you an Emmy voter? This is an honor. Huh? Are you an Emmy voter? Uh, I don't know anything. I'm an actor. <laughs> I might be. I don't know. <laughs> you know, somebody's got to tell me uh, mm -hmm. if I am or not. No, uh, but yeah, no. I, That's I'm very thrilled to be here. Very lovely. Oh, please, no. How does your girlfriend feel about this? She feels great. She loves you, too. She's in the audience here. She's incredibly Where excited. Where's Ari? You're very kind. Thank you so much. Yeah, no, she was... She, there was no question. Yeah, there mm -hmm. she is, right there. Yeah. Yeah, no, um... No, it's been, this is amazing for me to What's do. What's your room well. number? I'd like to send you something at the, <laughs> the Rock House. It's, it's 666, which, that well, feels weird. Sure. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I'll send you a baby. <laughs> no, I don't know. I don't know it yet. I'm hoping, like, it's like, maybe it's like Jamaican, you know, it's like saying it's like Cool Runnings, you know? So like, I'm in the Cool Runnings room. Every room has a different yeah. name based upon a movie set in Jamaica. And yeah. you went with Cool Runnings. Well, it's better, better that than the harder they come, you know? Quality yeah. movie. You got yeah. something against Jimmy Cliff? No, I mean the name. Oh, it's okay. just like, no. The harder they come. The harder they come vacation. is a better movie than Cool Runnings. But it's a really sexy name for your room. <laughs> yeah, Cool Runnings <laughs> is a very sexy name. So anything. Wow, I'm so happy for you. Yeah. And, oh. uh, but I really, I mean, yeah, your work means a lot to me. I think that you are uh, both, you're needed, you know, and uh, there's not many. That's very nice of you to say. I truly that is, know. That is the second nicest thing you could have said. <laughs> Next to the vacation? <laughs> the vacation's number one. No, but uh, is there anything that we should add before we wrap this up here? Anything uh, you'd like to say? I mean, I think the, 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 only thing I, the only thing that I haven't <laughs> said yet tonight that I would like to say is I'm Brett Gelman. <laughs> Stephen Colbert. Can Thank I do you. one bit? Yeah, do Can a bit. Can I do one bit before I go? Yeah, please. One thing I don't know how to do is walk on to other people's talk shows. <laughs> Is and it's really weird tonight? to walk out here and do something. I was like, eh, thank, thank, thanks very much. <laughs> and when I was, used to come out here, when Dave, because Dave's desk was here, and when I'd come out here and I was lucky enough to come, did you ever come on with Dave? No. Ten times. No, I was I lucky didn't. enough to come out ten times with Dave, and you came wow. out somewhere out right behind here. You'd come out, and, uh, um, and they'd always say, don't forget to wave hi to the audience, you know, because you'd be focused on Dave. Like, there's Dave. I gotta see Dave, you yeah. know, gotta make him laugh. And uh, greatest feeling in the world. Yeah. Just, you, and watch it later and go, that's a real laugh. I, Evie, wake up. I think that's a real laugh. Uh, and so right when I do that, and so uh, I, 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 it was so nerve wracking to walk on because you're like, who am I to be on this show? But I, there's a huge difference. And if anybody has, I did this once before on the stage. If anybody's seen it, please forgive me. But you, you've seen what I'm about to do? Okay. But this, it's so true. So <laughs> this is how most people come on one of these shows, okay? Uh, please welcome uh, uh, Brent Gelman, okay? Like this. Hey, thanks very much. Like that. Say hi to me. Like this. Hey, thanks. Oh, thanks very much. Thank you. You know, perfectly normal. Hi. Thanks very much. They come over here. They sit down like that. There you go. Hi. Okay? <laughs> Nothing wrong with that. Perfectly fine. And then there are movie stars. <laughs> and it never fails. And you watch it. Watch the show from now and you'll see this is, this is how this happens. So... This is when you. This is how a movie star comes on. Okay, so uh, ladies and gentlemen, 
Brad Pitt. Okay, Brad Pitt, like this. He goes. That's how movie stars walk on, and they never don't walk on that way. If they're at a certain level, and I don't know how to describe it, but there's, you go, and you go, like, oh, right, he's a movie star. Or she's, same thing. Julia Roberts did that just a couple weeks ago. Ne- next, they, time, they, next time I come on, I'm doing that. You have to. I'm doing that. And I think it'll actually <laughs> do great things for your career. Yeah. People no, at home will go, that guy's a movie yeah, star. Yeah, no. I mean, that's what I've been really aiming towards, yeah. so that is a great pointer. It's the secret. You put it out there and it happens. Who's done it the longest? <laughs> Who's taken the longest to sit down? I, th- I think Josh Brolin. Okay. <laughs> and I think he was just <laughs> with me. Thanks, everybody. Uh, Thanks. Stephen Colbert. Brett Gellman, everybody. This has been The Late Show Poncho with Stephen Colbert. We'll be dropping classic bits and celebrity interviews seven days a week while the show's away on summer break. The Late Show will be back on September 6th with all new episodes. If you're enjoying The Late Show Poncho, leave us a five-star review on Spotify or Apple Podcasts. For more exclusive Late Show content, follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, and subscribe to The Late Show on YouTube. New CBS Sunday. You collect rewards, right? This is how I make my living. When something is lost, everyone's looking for something. He finds it. You strong swimmer? So-so. So-so. So-so's okay. Justin Hartley stars. I survive. You make quick, smart decisions. If you never let panic take the wheel. Sounds cool. It is cool, actually. Very cool. Tracker. New Sunday on CBS and streaming on Paramount+. Plus.